Praise God. Turn with me in your Bibles, if you will, over to Deuteronomy, the 11th chapter. And the 21st, uh, 20, the 8th through the... 18 through the 21st verse, I'm sorry. <laughs> my printer didn't print the one on my 18, so that's what it was. Anyway, let's read what it says in Deuteronomy. Therefore you shall lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul, and bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. And you shall teach them to your children... Speaking of them, when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, or when you rise up, and you, you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates, that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give them, like the days of heavens above the earth. Now, God's talking about His words here, His words to Israel. Israel had the Word of God, and, uh, and they, the Lord was giving them instructions about the Word. The Word's important. How many knows the Word's important in your life? Yeah. It's not just a Bible laying around <laughs> with letters in it. This is nothing more than dead letters until the Spirit of God can bring it to life. And that's what God's Holy Spirit does. He brings the Word to life. And you begin to see God and Jesus Christ in the Word and see what He did for you. But the children of Israel, they, they had the Word of the Lord, and they kept these scrolls and the different things that God gave them, but God told them what to do with that Word. Now look at Romans, the 10th chapter, in the 8th through the 10th verse, the Apostle Paul. Now Paul, remember, was in Judaism. He was very strong in Judaism. Very strong in the law, very strong in the things that was uh, anti-Christian at that time, you know. Uh, but he, w- he was very strong. But Paul got converted, got saved, born again. And uh, uh, I-, I don't like to just use that term, converted, you know. Uh, it-, it seems like you come in from one religion to another religion and you convert over. But in, in Christianity, it's not converting over to something. You're born again. You're born into this thing spiritually, and you're, you're a child of the Lord, regardless of what name tag you have above your church or whatever. It, when you accept Jesus Christ, you're born again, and you're part of the family of God. Amen? But look what Paul said, Romans 10, verses 8 through 10. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. I'm going to, I'm going to talk to us today, maybe even tonight, but believing with the heart. What, what does that entail? What, what is God talking about when we believe in our heart. We've got to believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead and you'll be saved. For, for years I searched for a satisfactory uh, explanation of what it means to believe with the heart. Uh, you know, for a long time I just kind of, uh, you know, man's a spirit. He has a soul and he has a body. We're triune being. A lot of times our soulish realm is touched, but not the spirit of man. 
The soulless realm is your mind, your intellect, your emotions, and those kind of things. But the spirit of man is that inner part of us. That's that part that God touches when we're born again. And we're made new creatures in Christ Jesus. So that spirit of man is there. And he has a soul and he lives in a body. The body is only the outside. This is just the outside. Now, God wants us to take care of the body. God wants us to take care of the house. This is the house of the Lord. This body is the house of God. It's the temple of the Holy Spirit. And we have to keep it clean. We have to keep it cleansed. We have to keep it whole. Uh, you know, some people, they have destroyed their bodies early with habits of the flesh. Now, that doesn't make them bad people as far as being good people in their heart or good-hearted. But their body, the body, the tabernacle, the housing for our spirit and soul is destroyed early many times because of abuse. And so, therefore, uh, you know, the spirit, soul, and body is important to the Lord. Amen? It's, it's not just our spirit man that's going to be saved. God's going to save our soulless realm and our body. One day our body is going to be redeemed. One day our body will be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, those that have went on to be with the Lord, those that's been buried, those that's been lost at sea, those that's, uh, you know, all kinds of accidents and things have taken place. But God will bring those bodies back together. How many believe God's a supernatural God that can do that? God can put it all back together again. Hallelujah. And if He can do it then, you know what? God can put our body back together right now. (laughs) Amen. I believe God can touch us physically. God can mend us. God can repair us. God can do some uh, extraordinary things in our body if we'll just believe in our heart and believe what God says. Now, there's two, ty- there's two types of faith that we possess. And, and the reason the Lord began to deal with me on this is because I, I've, I've, I've seen things on Facebook posts and different things, you know. And, and people, you could tell by just what they're saying, they don't really have an understanding of true relationship with the Lord and believing in their heart and believing with the heart. Having a heart, I call it heartfelt religion. <laughs> heartfelt experience with God. Amen? And uh, listen, when you're born again, I don't, I don't know about you. I, have you ever seen some people just born again, they just come up and... Do you believe? Yes. Okay, you're saved. They go on. But then other people come up... Do you believe? Yes. And boy, I mean, they start weeping. There's some excitement in their, in their inner being because they're, they know there's a transformation and a change being made. See, I'm afraid a lot of people haven't been changed. They haven't been transformed. They've got head knowledge, but not heart knowledge. And so you, you can have a head experience and not a heart experience. And, you know, head faith is ruled by the senses. Head faith. Yeah, listen, how many remember when you first got saved? The sense, your sense realm, the sense knowledge would come against you. And, and the devil would say, well, see there, I don't know why you even put your trust in this nonsense anyway. You know, you, you, you know look, look what's happening to you. And, and our head knowledge gets in the way. Our head knowledge will begin to tell us this can't be. It's ruled by the senses. Head faith. Head faith. If it's up here. Head faith. You can memorize scriptures. You can memorize 150 scriptures this week if you want to. But it's not going to do you an ounce of good until you get it in your heart. Hallelujah. 
You, you have to believe it in your heart. So, head faith is ruled by the senses. Head faith is sense and evidence based. I mean, if I see it, I believe it. I've been in places where somebody said, I wish I could feel God. Well, you're a little inner sanctuary here. This is the temple of the Holy Ghost. This is the temple of God. Regardless of whether anybody else is alive or not spiritually, if you're a temple, you're, you're, you can begin to commune with the Lord in your heart. God can do something. Oh, listen. <laughs> I've told this here before, but it, it, it just came back to my mind again. <laughs> my wife says, you told that one before. I said, okay, it's okay. <laughs> my mother, she loved God with all her heart. She really did. Most people didn't think she was very spiritual. And, but I don't know what they were judging spirituality by, because she was good-hearted. She loved people. Would give, the, give her last bit of meal in the house out to somebody or, or whatever they had. She was that way. She'd go out of her way for everybody. And we was going to this little church, a little full gospel church. And uh, it was actually an Assembly of God church. And we, we were going to this church. And that, you see, it doesn't matter if you have Assembly of God, Baptist. If, if you don't have the Holy Spirit moving in that place, you, can, you just got a name. Amen? But it was deader than a door. I was a kid, but I knew it was dead. When I say dead, I'm not talking about because people weren't climbing the walls or jumping pews. I'm not talking about that kind of deadness. I'm just talking about it was dead. There was no life in people. I mean, the song leader's up there just singing his heart out. Everybody does just... <laughs> Everybody, let's just praise the Lord. He just could praise God. Everybody else just. And I remember that we were going there for several weeks, maybe a month or two. And my dad came in from one of his road trips. You know, uh, uh, he'd been gone somewhere. And uh, I think he'd been preaching somewhere. And he'd, he'd come home. And we were all in the car, was headed back, to, was headed to church that Sunday night. My mama, she, I remember her, was, uh, my sister, my, my little brother, and myself were in the back seat. And we, we were just listening to the conversation, you know. And my mama told my daddy, she said, I tell you what, Pete. His name was Pete too, Pete. <laughs> and, and, uh, and she said, I'll tell you what, Pete. She said, I don't care what these people do tonight. I'm going to have church. My daddy said, well, what are you talking about? She said, it's dead. Nobody does nothing. They, can't, don't even, they don't even shut their eyes when they pray. They don't even lift their hands. They don't do nothing. Nobody sings. She said, but I'm not going to let it hinder me. I'm going to have church. And sure enough, the song leader got up there doing his thing, you know, singing. And everybody, everybody just, piano player was even asleep. And my mother, I, I, I knew, I knew what was going to happen. She started clapping. She don't know how to clap. She just, you know, and she just started clapping. And I knew she was going to get happy. Because, see, she shut her eyes to everybody else. And she said, I'm going to worship the Lord. 
See, she didn't just have this religious stuff. She had a heartfelt experience with the Lord. And so she started clapping her hands. And then all of a sudden, I saw her. She started moving out to the aisle a little bit. And everybody kind of moved out of her way. And she got over in the aisle. And I knew what was going to happen. I knew my mother, listen, when, when God touched her, she, he touched her. And I knew, now, I'm not saying everybody has to do it this way, but she did it this way. And she got out there in that aisle and she just got her hands up like that. And she just started crying and weeping. And then all of a sudden she just started going like this in a circle and just, woo! You know, just, and I said, oh, I moved out of the way because I knew what was going to happen. And I mean, she got to going in a circle and then all of a sudden she just hit the floor. Everybody else was just sitting there. Song leader even quit singing. The piano player wasn't playing much anyway. But all of a sudden, from the platform to the back of the church, it seemed like there was just a wave of the Holy Spirit that just began to move across that congregation. And people began to weep, worship the Lord. Hands up in the air, some kneeling on the floor, some falling on the uh, uh, prostrate before the Lord, and just letting God move and minister in that place. And revival broke out that night because my mother said, I don't care what they do, Pete, I'm going to have church. See, she had heart faith. She had a heart experience with God. And you know what happened? Revival broke out in that church, and it continued it continued every service and revival. They started having revival meetings and it continued for at least two to three years just like that. We moved and we didn't know what happened after that. But the pastor, he, God really began to anoint him with the Word of God and the Holy Ghost. And I mean, he just began to preach. Things started happening because people got heart faith instead of head faith. So what Paul's saying here. You know, it's, it's with the heart one believes unto righteousness. With the mouth confessions made unto salvation. We've we got to have heart faith if we're going to see anything happen. Amen? Some people are seeing is believing. Doubting Thomas was that way. Remember him? When Jesus appeared, and he had already appeared to the other disciples, and uh, Thomas wasn't there at first, and then they told him about it, and he'd come in there. And he couldn't believe it. Oh, no, no, it can't be, it can't be. And Jesus just pulled out his hands and said, just touch, touch. And then he showed them the side where the, the, uh, the spirit went through the side. He said, touch, <laughs> just touch it. It's here. It's me, Thomas. I am the risen Lord. I'm alive. Thomas fell on his face. Oh, my Lord and my God. But see, what's a shame is, the other ones had believed before they saw. And Thomas, thank God, he did, he did believe after he saw. And Thomas went on to be a great missionary and gave his life, I believe it was in India or somewhere over that direction, and uh, he gave his life for the gospel's sake because he believed and God used him in a great way. He believed in the heart. Can you say amen? Now, heart faith is what's going to bring results. Believing with the heart is what's going to bring results in our life today.
Believing with God what God says. See, the heart is the temple of God. The heart of man. Now, I, I, I wish I had a diagram where I could show you this. But in the, in, the, uh, in the tabernacle of God, you know, that they built. They had a big tent for the tabernacle of God. And in it was the holies of holies. But on, in the tabernacle, you had what you call the outer court. Then you had your inner court. And then you had the Holy of Holies. Nobody entered the Holy of Holies but the high priest. And he went in once a year into the Holy of Holies. But it was the outer court, the inner court, and the Holy of Holies. Your spirit, soul, and body. Or we should say body, soul, and spirit. Your body is the outer court. Some of us have just let God touch our outer court just a little bit. Every once in a while we get those Holy Ghost goosebumps. <laughs> One preacher called them witness bumps. Anybody ever have any witness bumps? <laughs> Somebody's telling you, or someone's singing a gospel song and it's anointed, it's truth in it, and you get those witness bumps that it's, this is God. But we have the, we have the outer court. Then we have the inner court, the soulish realm. The inner court's the soulish realm. It's the emotions, our feelings, you know, that type of thing. But then we have the holy of holies, which is the heart of man. I tell you what we got to do. We, we've been having too much work done on the outside, on the outer court, and... Uh, and, and, and the inner court, but we need to get on in the, the holy of holies in the heart. God's got to work in the heart of man. The heart of man. Out of the abundance of the heart, your mouth speaks. From the abundance of the heart flows bitterness or love. The abundance of the... See, i tell you what. You can tell where somebody is spiritually by just talking to them for a few minutes. Because what's in them is going to come out. If there's bitterness, if there's resentment, if there's an attitude of poor old me, it's going to show up. You don't have to talk to them too long. <laughs> And that's not to put anybody down. How many understand what I'm saying? But you expose yourself where you are spiritually every time you open your mouth. I know this isn't a shouting message, but it's a good one. <laughs> See, the outer court, what I do not understand cannot enter into my heart. If I don't understand, it can't get into my heart. See, bitterness, hatred, those type of things, you dwell on that, and it becomes part of your makeup, and it gets into the heart of the person. Oh, but listen, I'll tell you, if we could, if we could open up our hearts sometimes. There, there was a man one time that had this, uh, he had tremendous headaches, tremendous headaches. And he couldn't, they could never find out what it was. Just tremendous headaches. He had gotten into a fight in his younger years. 
a knife fight. And the knife had hit him in the head and broke off. There was What happened was they finally took a, uh, you know, was it MRI or what did they do on that? Is it something where they could really see inside? And, and is, that, is that called MRI, Brother Jeremy? Am I, am I telling it right? Huh? Yeah. And, and, but I mean, you know, the, they, through what they could see and through all the equipment and stuff that we have nowadays, they saw inside what was causing this hurt. And it was the, it was the point of a blade that had broke off in that fight. And it was there all this time, causing pain and agony and, and just problems and trouble. See, if God could give us an x-ray like that, an MRI like that, and look inside our inner person, our inner man, what is, he, is he going to find something that's broke in there? Something that's broke off in there from an experience, a relationship, something that happened in our past, and we just dwelt on it. And dwelt. We heard a good statement last night. You know, people go through traumas and trials. And people say, well, time heals everything. I never thought like this man said. Time does not heal everything. If you had a problem with somebody, time doesn't heal that. That problem is still there unless you've rectified it. Amen? But what happens is forgiveness. Forgiveness is what brings the restoration and the healing. Not time. Now, I know sometimes we get a scar or something. It takes time for that to heal up. But I'm talking about something inner. We've got some emotional, emotional problems in the body of Christ today. We, we, we're holding on to things that somebody said about us 99 years ago. And you say, well, I love the brother. I, I love that sister. But. Well, see, that little three-letter word, but, that conjunction word, that, that lets me know right there that the problem is still there. Have we forgiven? Have we really forgiven? I want to tell you something. I heard, I heard a man give a testimony that he had, he had problems with his dad growing up and his mother. And they, they were very strict on him. And, oh, he didn't like that strictness. And listen, strictness don't hurt anybody. You've got to train up a child in the way he should go. And he'll walk therein. Amen. Training is still part of it. Amen? We as believers have to be trained in the things of God so we can walk therein. And, but, you know, they, they, they've let these things hinder them and, and, and I use that word fester, fester up on the inside. You've got a problem on the inside and time doesn't heal it. It's forgiveness. And I heard this man giving a testimony one time where his father and his mother were pretty rough on him or tough on him or whatever, and he just kind of, he just let it, you know, he, he just held it in his heart. It, it really affected him in relationships. It affected him in 
relationships with his spouse, his children, his own children, and it, it, it affected him in his relationship with other people. Listen, there's some things that will filter in and cause havoc in other people's lives. I, I don't want. I want to be. I want to be known as having contagious joy. If you're going to get anything from me, you're going to get some contagious joy, hilarious joy, <laughs> hallelujah, and and happiness. I, I, that's what I want. I want to be able to infiltrate people with joy, happiness, peace. That's that anointing flow. But this man finally, his dad had passed on, his mother had passed on, but this thing was still festering inside of him. And he finally, through some wise counsel from someone that was able to help him, he was able to realize that even though his parents were gone, he had not forgiven. See, we have got to forgive. And he went out to their gravesite and he wept. And he, got, he emptied his heart of that bitterness and that junk that was in there that kept him from having a relationship with his parents before. He couldn't have that now, but you see, he still had to forgive. Time will not heal that, because what's going to happen as you go through time, that that's in you is going to affect somebody else. It could affect your own children. It could affect your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, your great-great-grandchildren. I mean, it, it, if we, it's not time that does it. It's when we get in relationship with the Lord and forgive, like God says, forgive. And we can do that. We've all been hurt. I, I had a man one time tell lies on me, and I tell you what, I, I just wanted to go beat him up. I had dreams of beating him up. I had dreams going up on the platform and just, you know what I'm saying? This is this hypocrite you got preaching to you. So I said, Brother Clarence, oh, come on, you hadn't felt that way either? I thought I had it out of me. I thought I had really forgiven him, but I had not forgiven him. I'd have dreams. But you know what I did one day? God allowed us. To have a head-on collision, not literally. <laughs> but in the post office, at the same time, we come in and we stood face to face. And we looked there with our mouths open and glad there wasn't a lot of flies that day. And I mean, we sat there and then all of a sudden we both started weeping at the same time. We just went over and just fell on each other and hugged. And right there in the middle of the post office, everybody's looking like, hmm, what's going on here? These two preachers acting like this. What's going on? Yeah, well, that's okay. They didn't need to know what went on. All they needed to see was the results of God's power and forgiveness and love and the blood and God doing something in our hearts. And we forgave. And it never came up another time. Hallelujah. We'd see each other all the time. And we'd just praise God together. And he'd, he'd tell people in this church, he said, that Brother Clarence was the best. I tell you, he said, I, he said, I got some of it. We had cassette tapes back then. He said, I still got his cassette tapes on the Holy Spirit. He said, he's probably one of the best preachers on the Holy Ghost I've ever heard. <laughs> but you know what? Forgiveness. We had to forgive. He's went on to be with the Lord now. 
But I'm sure thankful that years ago, before he even went on with the Lord, we got that straightened out. Because that would hinder my ministry. It would stop me from going forward. And I'll tell you something. God wants us to understand tonight our heart is important. This holy, holy place inside of us is important. We've got to keep it pure. We've got to keep it clean. And we've got to believe in our heart. Amen? The Word comes into the heart through the outer gate. That's where it comes from. Proverbs 4, 7 said, Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom with all your heart. Get understanding. Ephesians 1, 17 through 19, Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus. He said that the God of our Lord Jesus, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling and what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe according to the working of His mighty power. But the eyes of our understanding have to be enlightened. We have to begin to see. We have to see like God sees. We have to begin to have understanding of this thing. See, we can hear, we can have cliches and, you know, all these things that we hear and, and we, can have, we can have all these little famous little slogans that we put out there. And if you don't believe it in your heart, it doesn't do a bit of good. I'd rather have a preacher that couldn't even talk good English and the love of God ooze out of him and the power of God and the wisdom of God. Old Brother Peters, O.J. Peters was his name, McKinney, Texas. Boy, I tell you what, he, he was about six foot eight. He was about this big around, you know, big guy. I remember my dad and I putting a tent up in McKinney, Texas for revival. And uh, my dad said, Brother Peters is there helping us put those quarter poles in. You know, y'all ever have put up a tent, that quarter poles, and they had to put those quarter poles in to hold up, you know. And my dad said, now, Brother Peters, be real careful because, that, you know, if you go too hard, it'll rip that. He said, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, brother, I got you. Rip. Oh, my. My daddy was very, God kept him contained. And uh, we got that patched. <laughs> Amen. But Brother Peters, now people would look at him and say, well, this man don't know nothing. I mean, you know, he, he, he just, he just, he, he just ignorant. Well, I want to tell you something. When that man got up and the Spirit of God came through him, his articulation of the Word and the revelation of the Word came forth better than any other preacher I'd ever heard because it wasn't him just talking. He knew God, and he also had it in the sanctuary of his heart. That word, that revelation of it was coming forth, and he was able to speak it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, wisdom. Satan blinds the mind. Lest the light or the understanding shines in our hearts. Look at Second Corinthians four four, said, "Whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe? Lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, whose image of God should shine on them." You see, if the devil can keep our mind clouded with all kinds of things that don't pertain to nothing, then he's keeping the truth of God from penetrating. And we've got to believe in our heart. We've got to believe in our heart. And Paul's saying this. He said, lest the light 
of the gospel of the glory of Christ, whose image of God should shine in him. The mind, the God of this age has blinded those who do not believe. Who do not believe? That word believe, that's, there's that word believe. In our heart. Believe in your heart. You could even bring it down to the point where he's talking about forgiveness a while ago. Forgive in your heart. Love in your heart. It's all in the heart. This is a heart issue. It's an inner sanctuary issue. And we've got to come to that point where we can believe Him. Can you say amen? amen. Look up. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 7. But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. How many knows we're there? Men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. Y'all haven't seen none of this in our century that we're living in, right? Unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty. Uh, headstrong? Y'all haven't met no headstrong people, have you? I call them hard-headed. <laughs> My daddy used to call them knuckleheads. <laughs> hard-headed knuckleheads. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but deny its power. And from such people turn away for this sort of those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning, always learning, and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Always learning. I know some people that they're always, they, and, and I say this reverently, okay? You cannot listen to a thousand ninety nine different preachers all the time. I'm not against listening to preachers. How many understand what I'm saying? I did. We listened to some the other day. I listened to Charles Stanley the other day. My goodness, he had some good stuff. And and you know, but but you can't. You're going to get confusion in your mind and heart if you, if it one saying this, one saying that, one saying that, and somebody said, "Well, they got to be good because, dear me, you ought to see the thousands and thousands of people. That don't mean nothing. You ought to see the big building they just built. Oh my goodness, it is so wonderful. That don't mean nothing. Is God there? Is the presence of the Lord there?" That's what's important. We could have gold-plated light fixtures in here. And we, we, we could have, I mean, you know, we could have the most expensive of everything. But if God's not in there and the presence of God's not in here, it's nothing. Amen. It's nothing. It's the presence of God. And we've got to get to that point where we can believe in our heart. Can you say Amen. Now, through the outer gate of the understanding, the word comes into the court. The, through the, we, we've got to hear. How many knows you've got to hear? And it's got to get down, and it's got to come into the, from the outer court into the inner court. And then it's going to get into the heart. Listen, I have studied and preached things. I had, I had a young man in my church. He was my wife's cousin. He was helping with our music in the church. And, and I was preaching a series for about six or eight weeks. And uh, just preaching, you know, along the same lines, but different areas of it. And 
he, he was sitting there just every service, every service. And on the last night, the last night of that series and what I was teaching and preaching, I saw his eyes light up. They lit up. Big old grin come across his face. I said, something's happening to Royce. And all of a sudden, he come up to me after church. He had tears streaming down. He said, Brother Clarence, he said, I finally see what you've been telling us. I said, whew, thank God. I was kind of being a little facetious, you know. But, you know, but how many understand? You can sit there, sit there, sit there, sit there, sit there, sit there, and it's still in the outer court, and it's coming in, but all of a sudden it's going to get down into the holies of holies in your heart where you can believe with your heart. Amen. Believe with your heart. I, and I'm not going to be able to get done with this tonight. today. You'll have to come back tonight and we'll finish it up. But I'm going to tell you, believe with your heart. You've got to believe with your heart. I'm telling you. I've seen people go up and confess and say the sinner's prayer. And they go out and live the same lifestyle they're living. Something's not right. Did they really believe with their heart? There's something that happens when you believe with your heart. Number one, when you believe with your heart, you want to obey God. You want to do what God says. You want to, you want to please Him in everything that you do. And you sure want to keep the right attitude all the time. Attitudes determine your altitude. What kind of attitude you have today is going to determine how high you get up in God. If we got a bad attitude, listen, you can have a bad attitude about yourself. I know there's a lot of scriptures don't think more highly of yourself. <laughs> and there's a lot of people that do that. They think more highly of themselves. But there are some people don't think highly enough. We need to understand we are the creation of God. We're His children. Sons and daughters of the Most High. Heirs of God. Joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And we're there for one reason only. Because if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus you're saved but you got to believe it in your heart you got to believe it down deep but see the sad thing is there's a lot of Christians and I say Christians quote quote uh, that they're not Christians listen they're Christians by identification but a Christian the Bible said they were first called Christians in Antioch. All these disciples from the day of Pentecost all the way down, they were first called Christians in Antioch. You know what that word Christian meant when they said they were first called Christian? They were Christ-like. They acted like Christ, talked like Christ, thought like Christ, worshipped Him, praised Him. I mean, you know, I don't want you to get into a mimicking of praise and worship that, that you think pleases me. I want you to praise Him from your heart. Amen. Some people think that everybody's got to be jumping up and down, be jumping jacks, you know, all the time. But that that may not be that person. Listen, I, let that person be that person. You be you and let the other be you, them and let God in them. Amen. 
Worship and praise. I've seen people when they, when they get when they finally get something turned on on the inside, they just get to giggling. <laughs> Hallelujah! Then I, then I see others just sit there and just start weeping, weeping as that truth gets in their heart. Then I've seen others just fall prostrate on the floor, you know, before God as it get, get, comes alive in their heart. Listen, God ministers to every person, but we've got to let it get in our heart. And the way you, the way you re- respond to that is between you and the Lord. But listen, God is wanting us to believe with our heart. Believe with our heart. Can you say amen? Look at Psalms 119. 130, the entrance of your word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. There it's kept by memory. See, see, you can, the light of the gospel comes. It gives understanding to the simple. And, but sometimes it's still not getting down into the inner sanctuary in the heart of man. How many knows when you get it in your heart? There's nobody going to talk you out of it. Nobody can talk you out of your salvation, Brother Hass. <laughs> when you know that you know that you know, there's nobody that can, di- that can dictate your heart and get you to respond differently. Because we believe in our heart. Meditate. Meditate on the things of God. It gives light. Amen? Psalms 119, verses 15 and 16. I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statues. I will not forget your word. Paul, David, he knew a lot about this stuff. He had a lot of times out there alone with him and just God. And he wrote a lot of the Psalms that we have, the songbook of the Psalms here that we have. Because he was in the presence of the Lord and God gave him these things. But he believed in his heart. In fact, even after David sinned. David did a hideous thing. He committed adultery. Then he murdered the woman's husband. He didn't just get a gun and shoot him, but he had him put on the front line knowing he'd get killed out there. And he covered it up for almost 24 months. 24 months. A man of God. David, a man after God's own heart. Isn't that what the Bible says? But you see, because he was a man after God's own heart, even though he sinned and failed, he didn't have to stay in that cesspool of sin and in that bondage, in that jailhouse of of guilt and and condemnation. Because you see, what did he say when he gave that repentant prayer? I've sinned against you, O God, and you only. And he says, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. (laughs) <laughs> oh, listen, I'm afraid some of these, well, I'm going to say it anyway. Some of these so-called self-appointed apostles and prophets, if they had their millions taken from them, they wouldn't know what to do. David said, I don't care. Take my palace. Take everything I got. I Take it. Take my Rolls Royce. Take all this stuff, you know, take, take all my money out of my CDs and my account. Lord, just don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Because it was the Holy Spirit that made the difference in David. It was the Holy Ghost in him that made the difference. And what's going to make the difference in us as believers today is to believe in our heart. And you know what David did at that point? 
He reached through the eons of time to Calvary. Because by law, he should have died and been put to death. But through reaching forth in faith, he reached forth into the eons of time and went to Calvary where Jesus shed the blood for all of our sins and applied it up in the, on the doorpost in the temple of the Most High there in the heavenlies of heavenlies. The blood was applied. And we've got a right to go boldly. And David did that in Psalms 51. He came boldly into the presence of the Lord. And he believed in his heart. He believed in his heart. Are you all seeing this this morning? we got to believe in our heart. Can you say amen? amen? Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. I'm going to stop. <laughs> i got to quit. I think God's made his point to us this morning on. on what we want to get. But you're going to get part two tonight, so come back. Six o'clock. I, I, you know, I, I've learned I just, I just unhook and hook back up. You know, I don't ever get done. I just, I just hook back up again. You'll probably notice that in a lot of my messages. You know, I just hook back up again from last time. But listen, we got to believe in our heart. We have to believe in our heart. You got to believe in your heart that you're somebody in Christ. You got to believe in your heart. And most of us here, I'm not, I'm not, I wouldn't even dare try to guess, but every one of us here are born again believers. Amen. But you got to believe in your heart that you're special to God. You got to believe in your heart that God's grace is in you right now. God's love is for you right now. His power is for you right now. God will lead you. God will direct you. God will elevate you. God will exalt you. God will bring you back up to where you need to be. But it's because we believe in our heart. we got to believe in our heart. You know what keeps loved ones going on forward in the name of the Lord when their loved ones die and go on to be with Jesus? is the fact that we know, that we know, that we know, that we know that they're in the presence of God. Because that's what the Bible says. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. They're in the presence. And you know what? That's what keeps our hearts strong. Because I believe in my heart. Oh, hallelujah. You know, my older brother was backslid. He came back to the Lord. I went to his funeral. I helped perform the funeral. I didn't do the whole thing. Me and Pastor Bob Nichols over at Calvary uh, in Fort Worth, we did the funeral together. And, and uh, Big John Hall sang at my brother's funeral. <laughs> Isn't that something? You know? And, uh, but but I, I, I didn't weep. I couldn't sob. I couldn't weep. Because I knew that my brother had came, uh, come back to the Lord in the fullness and received that, received that forgiveness from God. Uh, he, he'd asked me something. He, he's, he's getting ready to die, you know. He was already forgiven, you know. But he said, Bubba, what's it like to die? I said, Dub, I don't know. He'd ask me again one day, Bubba, what's it like to die? I said, Dub, I don't know. I've never done it before. <laughs> we haven't done it yet. But I do know one thing, Dub. I remembered 
Corey Tim Boone giving a story when she was leaving to go on a trip to visit one of her relatives or aunts or something. And, and, and she'd always ask her dad, Daddy, where's my ticket? Where's my ticket? She said, Corey, don't worry. When it's time to go, you'll have your ticket in your hand. You'll have your ticket in your hand. And I told Dub, I said, Dub, it doesn't matter. When you go, you've got the ticket. God will show the ticket. And you're going to know you're going to be in the presence of God just like that. Because to be dies to be present with Him. Hallelujah. When we leave this earth, we're in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Listen, wouldn't you believe with your heart? You believe with your heart. My, old, my younger brother, bless his heart, he, he was rebellious all of his life, just about. Well, he was a good man, good boy, good man. But he, he, just, he just wasn't going to be poor. He made up his mind he was going to be a millionaire. And you know what? When he was 21, 22, 23, 24, got up in his 30s, he knew how to do the stocks, and he made money and big money. And I mean, and before long, he was buying property and, 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 and you know, doing things with it. And all of a sudden, he ended up, ended up a multi-millionaire. But that didn't make him happy. What made him happy was one day he told me, he said, Bubba, he said, you're different than I am. I said, no, I'm not. I said, I'm not no different than you. I said, I like money. <laughs> I like to make money. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. I said, but I don't have the love of it. And I said, but you know what? And, and I, I, just, I just prayed with him one day. He said, I want, I want to... He said, Daddy had the real thing. And he used to make fun of my daddy. He said, Daddy had the real thing. I said, yes, he did. And I said, you can have it too. And I prayed with him. Every once in a while, he'd ask me, Bubba, you think I'm really saved? I said, Donnie, did you pray? Yeah. I said, well, you're saved. You're saved. And I'll tell you what, he became the most generous person with his money, given to the Lord, not just my ministry, but other ministries. I mean, he just blessed and did everything he could for the gospel's sake. Still left his family very well off. But you know, the thing is, God blessed him, but he had to believe in his heart. Are you all see what I'm saying this morning? Believe in your heart. God wants us to believe in our heart. Oh, listen, we, we got something to tell somebody, because I believe in my heart. When I see somebody that's, 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 I mean, down in alcohol and drugs and in the cesspool of sin there, listen, there's still hope. As long as they're breathing, there's hope. As long as they got life in them, there's hope. And I'll tell you what God can do. God can lift them up out of that cesspool where they're in, and God can clean them up and get in that inner sanctuary of their heart, change them, transform them. And I, listen, some of those people have become some of the greatest preachers and evangelists in this world. Because God is looking for a heart that will believe Him. I believe. Do you believe? I believe. I believe God. I believe God can do anything. He'll do anything for us. Hallelujah. Lift your hands and just thank the Lord this morning. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Lord. Jesus said, just believe me. 
For He is Lord He is Lord He has risen From the dead And He is Lord Every knee shall bow Every tongue confess All that Jesus Christ is could you just slip it up and say, Lord, you're my Lord. We're believers, but He's our Lord. You're my Lord. You're my Lord. You have risen from the dead, and you're my Lord. And my knee shall bow, and my tongue confess, all that Jesus, you're my Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. I I trust today that you know, just a simple word. But believing in your heart. Believing God with all your heart. Believing Him in your heart. Letting that word get down in that inner sanctuary. It's going to make us victorious. More than conquerors. Overcomers. Because of the blood of the Lamb. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Nothing's impossible with God. All things are possible to him that believes. We didn't include Tanya in that prayer when we was praying in our service, Sister Claudine. Uh, we're going to pray for her right now. Amen. Amen. Tanya's having trouble with severe uh, is it headaches that she's having. And, and I'll tell you what, God is the answer. And he provided it. For us 2,000 years ago, by His stripes, we were healed. Father, we lift Tanya to You in the name of Jesus. Lord, we send the Word. We send the Word. We send the Word. Thank You for the Word that prevails. Thank You for the Word that prevails. And Father, we just give You glory and we give You praise and honor for it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Well, glory to God. We'll come back tonight at 6. Get part two. Amen.